You're listening to Lost and Sound in Berlin, a podcast exploring music and identity in Berlin, supported using public funding by the Arts Council of England. Episode 1, A New Career in a New Town. My name is Paul Hanford. I think we all have that place that we feel is special, and Berlin, for me, is that place. So much so that this year, I packed a bag or two, said au revoir to London, and hopped on the Ryanair with a one-way ticket. I've always lived a very music-based life, so now that I live here, my mission is to meet people whose lives and loves weave in and out of the rich tapestry of music that spans across this city and across the years. And through this, I want to learn and share with you why Berlin has such a creative energy. It's 8am. This morning I woke up to the sound of drilling and construction work out of my window uh, from new apartment block being built next door to where I'm living. Yeah, you can still hear it there. But I'm taking it as some kind of weird cosmic sign considering who I'm off to meet today. What kind of tea would you like? Um, uh, anything herbal, please. Okay. Anything, anything no caffeine I have a hunch that the ingredients that nurture creativity have something to do with space, tolerance, openness, values really, much more so than the conventional musical education. And I want to explore just why. So it feels natural that my first journey should be on the Uacht up to Wedding to meet Alexander Hacker, a man whom for 40 years now has been redefining what music can actually be. He was only 14 years old when he joined Berlin's premier avant-garde band Einstezende Neubatten. At 14, I don't think I could even tie my shoelaces together. Thanks. Here you go, you get the throbbing gristle, second annual report cup. Wow, that's great. I'm, I'm actually reading Cosi Fanny Tutti's autobiography at the moment. Which is, you are? Yeah. Okay, how do you like it? I really like it. I mean, obviously, I don't know her, so I don't know. Uh-huh. Um, I, I think it's very... Uh, have, you, have you read it? Or no, read I haven't it? read it, but Danielle did, and I get I get my reports from Danielle on, on all these... Uh, uh, women uh, artist biographies that she keeps devouring and I, I don't just don't get the time so she <laughs> she read all of them she read the the Viv Albertin the, mm. uh, the Kim Gordon the uh, the um, Cozy Fanny Twitty yeah do you think she'll be doing one as well soon Danielle she already did she, oh she already did my apologies sorry. <laughs> <laughs> she already did it's called The Beauty of Transgression amazing and it's, do you it's in English yeah. do you feel that you came across well in it are you in it uh, I'm I'm in it and uh, yeah yeah I she does love me <laughs> <laughs> so I did I did get a I, I did get a rather um, positive write up oh me. that's good <laughs> um, and when you you started making music at, um, I mean well basically I don't know how old you were 14 when you joined Einstein and a new button weren't you um, I I was 14 when I when I first when I first uh, played with them yeah. Yeah, the band was formed in in 1980 on the first April of 1980. I was 14 at at that time, and uh, but I didn't I didn't play with them on that initial first show because I was on tour somewhere else. I played in Vienna at the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and you were already releasing cassettes. 
yes. yourself. Yeah, yeah, because the cassette tape was the uh, was the medium of the hour. Okay, picture you in West Berlin in 1980, when East and West were separated by a wall. On the East, DDR, communism, and for the people that live there, a lack of access to the rest of the world. On the West, however, Alexander was in the dawning of a new creative energy. I asked him if it's strange that this West Berlin of the early 80s has become so romanticised now. Um, yeah, certainly, because it is, you know, it's like a, by now, a long-gone culture. It's a, 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 I was born and raised in a city that doesn't exist anymore. Um, I was part of a, of a documentary and there was this, this, uh, uh, a former Eastern uh, television personality, and her status was even more interesting. She said she, she is, she was a refugee from a country that doesn't exist anymore because she left East Germany and escaped to the West, and then shortly after the, the war came down, and uh, that's, but you know, uh, and some people argue that uh, West Berliners, such as myself, are. Uh, the true um the true casualties of the uh <laughs> of the reunification because you know where i where i come from it was like a heavy subsidized city a uh heavily subsidized city a uh, um a very secluded elitist kind of artist village community island whatever you want to call it and it was just like like some sort of paradise yeah in in many ways can you tell me a little bit about um what this paradise what what would go on in this paradise well first of all um all the young men that inhabited west berlin at the time or at at least a, a large percentage of them were um draft dodgers um, because you didn't have to go to the army if uh, if you were registered in, in Berlin. So many people from West Germany moved to uh, Berlin for that reason, and, and that's I mean that's that's a start for for a selection of of interesting characters. You know, <laughs> I mean, I, I woke up this morning and um, I live in Friedrichstein, and they're building a new block next to where uh, I live, and I woke up with massive industrial hammering. And uh, this kind of like new building being bought. And I thought there was this really strange irony to meeting you today Mm. um, that they're building a new building, making industrial noise. And then I'm coming to meet you, who uh, started most famously in a band that were named after collapsing new buildings. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about like this idea of an industrial landscape when you uh, started making music? Well, it certainly doesn't mean, you know, like sometimes, particularly in the early days, you know, we would we would get these hotels on the on the outskirts of of town, like directly into an industrial area, you know, that was really bleak and horrible, you know, a little bit cheaper, aren't they? And probably had had those kinds of sounds, you know, and then Mm. the promoters would say, like, well, but but don't you really like it? You like industrial, don't you? Um, (laughs) 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 Well, you know, an early an early sort of anarchist philosophical concept of Einstein's Neubauten was to expand the term music 
or what you call music, expand that term to the extent that everything has become music. Mm. And therefore, you have perfectly annihilated music, destroyed music, because if everything is music, then there is no more music as such. Right. So it's like a little bomb <laughs> inside. <laughs> right. So um, personally, before I even got interested into the concept of being able to play a chord progression on a guitar mm. or anything like that, I would do like tape experiments as a kid. You know, I would have like a cassette recorder and a microphone and I would would put the microphone into various uh, you know objects and and uh, check out the resonances and and also um, you can always spot a member of Einschutz Neubauten by the way they just like tap on everything in their surrounding because there's you know there's hidden resonances and there's right. beautiful sounds in in all kinds of things and the um, and the other thing about that is is uh, is the repurposing of of objects that uh, once lived a profane life in their original uh, destination. Uh, like you have a... We drive through Zagreb mm. in Serbia and we see there's a, a beautiful, like a triangular-shaped, like a wedge-shaped street divider made out of orange plastic mm. and we just stand there at the intersection in a in a van on the way to soundcheck or something you know and somebody goes look at that thing you know and we all look at it and we say oh that's that's not bad and same instant the the sliding door flies open somebody jumps out grabs the thing and puts <laughs> it in the van and we drive off and while we're in the van we we start you know mm. drumming on it and we discover we uh, decide that it's a good sounding sounding thing so we have relieved that object from its profane life as a uh, you know street divider on yeah. the street in Zagreb and have turned it we have you know it has been reincarnated as a musical instrument of a somewhat uh, successful avant-garde group and has now traveled around the world a few times as we drunk tea in the studio of this gentleman from a successful avant-garde group I noticed the instruments placed around his studio, percussion cymbals hanging from the ceiling, a large double bass, and against a window, a giant sheet of metal next to a globe. Maybe even the tea I'm drinking is an instrument. Our talk turns to what happened after the 9th of November 1989, when the wall came down. You know, it took me at least ten years after the reunifications before I could naturally and freely frequent the east side of the city because mm. I was such a, uh, you know, I was so uh, formed and uh, I was such a lo local patriot, you know, of, of West yeah. Berlin in a way. The idea that, and I didn't have much connection to the man on the street, if you will, at, at the time. You know, I would, I would live a very different rhythm you know, so I, I would not have much to do with with the people out there or the regular people, whatever you want to call them. And just the idea that, that the amount of these people would just like double immediately from one day to the next, you know, it, it that 
that frightened me. It was, it's, you know, it's like the, I mean, that's how the 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 George A. Romeo uh, zombie movie, movies are. That's mm. that's the concept, you know, it's basically putting this kind of uh, image on on something that you already know, like the people in a shopping mall. Just imagine, yeah. imagine that suddenly, you know, there's a, the double amount of them, mm-hmm. and it, this this kind of frightened me, and um, and I didn't want to, you know, I I. I was scared to kind of get lost in this this mass of people that all want something that they were deprived of, you know, for all their right. lives, and now suddenly they're here, and you know, and I, I basically I hid I hid in my apartment for the the, the first couple of days after the 9th of November, you know, people were calling me, you have to come out, this is this is crazy, you know, and I said like no. <laughs> I'll be staying right here. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and it it took me a while. So the first instances were when I would come back from tour, for example. For I've been on tour throughout wherever Europe, uh, and uh, would would arrive back in Berlin, and suddenly I would have that that feeling, that longing to be like out in the world again. So mm-hmm. I would ask somebody who knew their way around in the east and say like, hey. Give me a little, give me a little tour. I want to, you know, let's go. Mm. And then I would do like nightclub hopping, you know, with somebody in in the east, and it, it was all exciting because immediately I felt like I was being on tour again, wow. you know, in my in your own city, in my own city, yeah, you know, yeah. And that was, but that remained to be a novelty for quite some time. I drank more tea. Then, as I did, I thought about the band written on the mug, Throbbing Gristle who at a similar point in time to when Alex and the rest of Einstuzes and Neubatten were reincarnating street dividers as musical instruments, were creating their own fiercely anarchic industrial music over a thousand kilometres away in a then pre-gentrified London fields. And I got to thinking, the cosiness of the mug, yet the fierceness of the music. Many times, crossing through the city, I'll glimmer a perfectly respectable-looking couple in their fifties, and... As we get nearer, I'll notice a forest of tattoos growing from the top of a blouse or out of the neckline of a shirt. Times change, and the one-time hell-raising pioneers of this city have now become some of its respected elder statesmen. I asked Alex, what's exciting him about now? Uh, Nowadays, it is all about curation in a way. Um, You And you have to, if you don't want to give up all responsibility and just listen to some streaming service where you know that the artists that you're listening to will never have any benefit from you listening to their work um, then you have to uh, you know do things you have to research and and keep keep informed like a very good platform to do that is Bandcamp for example you know obviously there's all kinds of great music everywhere and there's all kinds of really shitty music everywhere <laughs> at the same time but where wherever um you know people find find ways to to connect to each other bypassing the the middleman yeah that's what i find exciting as we leave his studio which i should add is exactly and symmetrically next door to his wife's studio his wife being the artist and love parade co-founder daniela de picciotto Alex points across to a large building. This is a refugee centre, 
Both Alex and the refugees arrived here around two years ago. He describes with his customary warmth the oh-so-summer sound of children playing football and the times he'd spend kicking that football back over the fence for them. I find this attitude towards refugees so refreshing. Coming from the UK, I feel that my knowledge of the lives of people who've experienced being refugees has been filtered through the narrowness of the UK media, in which it becomes so easy to forget that these are people that have their own culture, their own food, and music. Now, I'd heard about a workshop in Berlin that teaches music to people who've experienced being refugees. I was keen to meet the people who run this workshop and the students, and from this, find out how music is playing a role in the experiences of these newcomers to Berlin. I'm walking along Kotbusser Dam into Neukölln, passing kiosks, selling falafel, coffee shops brewing Australian coffee, uh, organic supermarkets and betting shops. Once upon a time, Neukölln was a separate city to Berlin. In recent years, however, it's become a home to a vast gourmet of newcomers from all over the world. 40% of the people that live here come from somewhere, not Germany. I have an appointment with Music Unite, an organisation that runs music workshops specifically for refugees. I'm super interested to meet with their organiser, Gabby, the teachers and, most of all, the students. Upstairs in a small classroom, wires are getting plugged into boxes containing Ableton hardware. I sit down with the organiser of Music Unite, a Brit who lives in Berlin called Gabby Denunzio. What was it about uh, the story of what's happened in the last five years with Syrian refugees that kind of struck a chord with you? Yeah, I mean, I think living in Berlin particularly, a lot of people felt very touched by it and, and Germany in particular were very welcoming. And I think everyone felt like they wanted to be involved with that process of welcoming people and doing something compared to the rest of Europe. So it was quite incredible to be part of that. At first, it was um, people were a lot more welcoming. And then I think the political situation changed a bit and there may be some resentment towards them. But generally, within our sort of community, and we really try and build this safe space for refugees. And within that, I think they feel very comfortable and we're really, you know, open and um, inviting. But... I think there is some sort of negativity um, in, in other parts of the city. And is this the same kind of negativity you'd have in other places as well, of people being suspicious of what they don't know, do you think? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that's part of it, you know, not being able to um, engage with this community. And I think as soon as you meet someone that's, you know, experienced being a refugee and, and getting to Germany it's such an incredible journey that they've been on and I think if you meet someone like that it really changes your uh, perception of who they are and um, so I think it's actually really important to meet these people and integrate them and learn from their cultures and yeah and I think people are scared maybe and take a step back and 
don't actually listen to them or listen to their stories. And what is it about music as well that you think is such a great kind of connecting point in a situation? Yeah, I mean, I think music sort of goes beyond religion, language, culture. So it's a really great unifier and it's a common language, actually. So, um, you know, it doesn't matter where you come from, you play music and people will come together. So it's a really great way to bring people together and um, celebrate something that they have in common. All of the teachers here give their time for free. They're all top-notch producers, DJs and educators in their own right. I meet Dowd. He's released music on Ghostly International, Ninja Tune Imprint Technicolor and Compact. He's also an integral member of the Berlin Collective Club Night and radio show African Acid is the Future. I've been playing his tunes in my DJ sets for ages. I never thought I'd be interviewing him in a refugee centre in Neukölln. Firstly, I wanted to know what brought him to Berlin. I used to live in London, so getting booked to DJ here, and I always liked to, to come here and party as well. So a mix of that, and then a few friends made the move. I kind of got a little bored of London. Uh, yeah. It became expensive. I mean, I still love it. I still love to love London. I love the idea of it. But when I go there... Um, you know, for a week or two weeks, I kind of reminded myself of... It is tough to live in London. You have to constantly be on your toes and sort of uh, uh, hustling almost, in a sense. Even even with your music, you have to be... You have to, it puts you in a different frame of mind because there's so much pressure to deliver, deliver, and it's expensive. Like here, that, it wasn't there anymore. Yeah. And so it was a luxury, yeah. Do you feel more relaxed here? To totally, yeah, yeah. Maybe too much, but then <laughs> what's better in life to be relaxed? Much better than relaxed and stressed. Um, how did you get involved with these guys? Uh, I mean, I know Gabby quite well. We, we you know, we're friends. Um, I've known her for a few years and she was talking about doing this and she sort of reached out and asked if anyone um, could help who had a studio or was interested and... Uh, instantly it was something I thought I could uh, I could get into I've, I've never really done anything like this specifically before I've done some teaching and some lectures and seminars about 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 my field before but never like a one-on-one thing and and something that could help uh, refu- refugees is, of course how can you how could you refuse something like that and it's great it's amazing it's, it's so for me it's I, I almost feel that I've got more out of it than the than the guys have it's so much fun, uh, and I'm sort of learning how other people do stuff and how uh, reminding myself of what it's like to be at sort of the start uh, of your journey in sort of production in music, mm. which I completely forgotten about, which is almost the most important part, I think, in the evolution of yourself as an artist, that starting point. And I remind myself of when I was young, like maybe 13, 14, playing with like uh, software and not really knowing what I'm doing and presenting these really naive, uh, uninfluenced ideas, but they were actually very, they're, they're great, they're pure, and, uh, and yeah, it kind of, uh, I'm, I'm super impressed with them. They've had ridiculous journeys. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, can you just tell me a little bit about, like, what you've experienced of being with them, knowing this? The, the, uh, I've, I've tried not to, to yeah, it's a very, it's, it, it's been very curious in my mind of how, how maybe I could approach this that sort of su- subject of their, their background and their life and their journey um, to, yeah, I don't know, to learn more about them. 
and maybe develop rapport with them in a sense. But then I kind of, uh, I had a, an idea not to do that at all and just just, just um, enjoy being together on a totally, not necessarily superficial, but just a, a, a way to enjoy being together in the same space and, in, and not having to have the sort of the weight of, of everything else interfere with that. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of avoided it. I was very curious about it. Um, and I think maybe as we develop uh, um, and we carry on working together over the next months that maybe the, they'll, they'll feel more open to, to discuss this. But I didn't feel the need to, to inquire with them. Do you, I, thought, I thought it was like maybe something that could be private to them. Yeah. And I, I guess like music is a great way where, you know, like, I mean, anyone that even kind of registers as being a citizen of Berlin mm. uh, has to kind of justify themselves and their paperwork. And like, you know, on their journeys, they must have had to justify themselves or explain themselves so many times. So exactly, exactly. This is another reason. Mm. And I didn't want to be this thing. I wanted to be, I wanted them to relate to me in a studio in a musical sense. And I just enjoy that. Yeah. As the students started arriving into the classroom, walked 19 year old Farhad. Farhad has experienced being a refugee from Syria, yet he was more keen to tell me about his love of techno. So, um, I'm Farhad. I'm 19 years old. I'm actually a refugee from Syria. I came here two, two years ago. And um, I had that um, music feeling since I was like 12 or 13 years old. Um, we are in Berlin right now. The state of music, I call like, <laughs> you know, like yeah, yeah. you. When I came, when I came from Syria to here, it was like a lot of shit, a lot of borders you have to cross, mm-hmm. a lot of things you have to just to to just to represent who you are. You have to cross borders from Turkey and everywhere. But here in Berlin, I don't feel like you need borders, man. It's like it's it's connected feelings here. You are a musician. You are welcome here in Berlin. Even music. Never like it has nothing to do with what kind of music you do. You are welcomed as a musician. So I think that what I haven't had in my own country. You're in Berlin now. Exactly. It is a, it's a city for artists, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. Yes. And, yes. and then that, and then bringing this amazing techno feel that you right. can bring to Syrian music. Do you feel? Actually, yes. And I, ha- I already had produced a song. It's called Political Techno. Ooh. And it's it's just it's something new actually. Like nobody had to do. Politic and techno. Mm. So I was in that, in that I just put a techno beat and I came up with some um, German, um, German, um, like it's German speech talking about the situation in Syria and how people are getting killed and everything. Yeah. I took that part for two minutes, put it there, do some effects, and then you have political techno talk about your situation. People can use it and people were like, why are they are dancing and they can, they can sometimes think, oh man, that's. Like it, you know, like yeah, you, right. you, okay, yeah. you get more knowledge. Mm-hmm. I think you get more knowledge with music. You yeah. can put some stuff like you can fight stuff. You can fight racism with music. You can fight actually anything with music. So it's like it's a power yeah. for good. It's powerful. It? It's, it's, a, powerful it's good. good. Where I come from in England, we don't really know what's going on in Syria. We all we hear about is what politicians tell us. Yes, and I think it's the same for most places in in you know in the world. We just hear the propaganda. Exactly, politicians. Yeah. So if you're making music about this, you can tell people directly what it's about. That's how it's it. That's how it goes. Like actually, even a lot of now before the war, Syria wasn't known that often. So after after the war, I pers- I personally wouldn't like Syria to be promoted as um as it is now. You know, yeah. I would love to be more as it was before. 
so that pe- people like to get to know Syria in the war. So they hear Syria, 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 but they get to know in, in a bad situation. So actually, they missed a chance to see a wonderful, beautiful, pure country, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. But now I think it's done. Like, you know, eight years of of just war and um, it's, it's, it's a lot. Of, I grew up in that 2011, I was like 11 until now. So it's, it's all about like, your your image you just want to change that but you cannot just go in the street and hold weapon yeah or you can just sell drugs and get just try it just try to express yourself with music man. just try it take it put it and send it share it you know everyone maybe maybe will help you people to they will buy you stuff they will just be hey can i help you you want some stuff from music i can help you with that you can't find a lot of people that but you have to share your problem with other people not only did i find it truly humbling listening to Farhad but I found this rising condescension travelling up my throat like a burp I've never spoken to someone who's experienced being a refugee before and I found myself suppressing superlatives like oh well done you forgetting that the whole thing of Music Unite is that it's a level playing field Um, this is where the term newcomer really comes into force Uh, one of the words I've heard that was um, um um, people use was the word newcomer for um, exactly. and they said that this was a good word because it doesn't sort of like it doesn't describe someone's background yep. it just sort of says we're all new in the city yep. you, mm. you yourself are a former Brit a yeah former exactly Brit. <laughs> I am a newcomer <laughs> well a newcomer as yeah, well so do you yeah. feel like being a newcomer yourself gives you a different perspective that can help with the refugees definitely group? I think it's actually really important as well to not label someone as a refugee and try and use a language that is more sort of welcoming and um but I definitely feel that because I don't feel particularly that German and I've been welcomed within this society I feel like I also have a connection to them in a certain sense because it's a new culture I'm learning the German ways and um yeah I'm a newcomer just the same as yeah, a yeah. lot of people living in Berlin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was it love at first sight for you for Berlin? Yes, definitely. Yeah, it's uh, yeah an amazing city. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. That's definitely. basically the reaction yeah. we all have, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think so. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, definitely. <laughs> I really connected with what Gabby was saying about the word newcomer fundamentally being in a new city we all have the same needs money shelter a good shag from time to time what music unite do is to use the power of music to create a communal space where it doesn't matter where you're from that sense that music crosses all borders of language and allows people to communicate together jump back on the Uax and arrive back home, the workmen having packed up for the day. Like John Cage, I welcome this silence and think back on today's encounters. Both Alexander Hacker and the Music Unite community take, in their different ways, an open approach to making music.
Here, ideas don't need a formal language. And to both these, Berlin has acted as a rich soil. You've been listening to Lost and Sound in Berlin, a podcast by me, Paul Hanford, exploring music and identity in Berlin, supported using public funding by the Arts Council England. Music by Tom Giddens. Thanks for listening, and please do join me next week as I continue to weave my way across the musical fabric of Berlin.